Welcome to Backyard Oasis, a podcast designed by and for older adults living in the beautiful Pioneer Valley of Western Massachusetts and produced in the tech studios at Greenfield Community College in Greenfield, Massachusetts. Backyard Oasis reaches out to older adults who seek knowledge to help them live more thoughtfully, healthily, and happily who hope to inspire others with their ideas and who serve their communities in the interest of the greater good. We hope you join us frequently in our pleasant backyard oasis for wide-ranging conversations with a diversity of people who are growing older and want to talk about it. Hi, this is Judy Raper, Associate Dean for Community Engagement at Greenfield Community College. And we are recording this at the GCC Multimedia Studio. Our producer, Alex Audette, and one of my two guests is in studio, while the other will be talking to us via Zoom. I am very excited about today's show. One of the things we're trying to do with this podcast is to have intergenerational conversations about contemporary topics. And today we are going to be talking about the phenomenon known as reality television. Before I introduce my guests, I just wanted to offer a brief historical overview on reality TV for those of you who might not engage in watching it. There's some debate regarding the first reality TV show, but most people agree that Candid Camera probably gets those honors. The show, which started on the radio in the 1940s, involved concealed cameras filming ordinary people being confronted with unusual situations, sometimes involving trick props. When the joke was revealed, victims were told the show's catchphrase, smile, you're on candid camera. In 1972, a documentary series aired on PBS about a family named The Louds. Well-regarded anthropologist Margaret Mead wrote about this genre of television back then, predicting it would become significant in American culture. However, it wasn't until the 1990s that reality TV really began to get a foothold, and it started with MTV's The Real World the true story of seven strangers picked to live in a house and have their lives taped. Today, 60% of primetime TV shows fall in this genre, and over 50% of adults watch at least one reality TV show per week. Alongside my guest today, we will dig into this topic and share our personal perspectives across generations regarding the role reality TV plays in our lives and our culture. So today, I am really thrilled to have with me two people I have known a while. One is my hairdresser. For the past 14 years, and joining us via Zoom from Indiana is my mother's best friend's granddaughter. I am going to let each of them introduce themselves before we dig into this topic. Jessica, would you like to start? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Jessica Nabala. I've been a hairstylist for about 18 years. Um, I'm a mom to two kids and two dogs. And yeah, and Judy, I think we've known each other longer than 14 years. Is it longer than 14 years? I, you, I think it's like 17. <laughs> You started like a year after I started doing I am. I, I see Jessica on a weekly basis. <laughs> I have incredibly thick hair, so Mackenzie looks shocked, but it's true. I go to the hairdresser weekly. <laughs> That's expensive. <laughs> she gives me a little discount given that I'm in so frequently, yes. so it all works out. Good. <laughs> all right, Mackenzie, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, so I'm Mackenzie Shanahan. I am from Indiana. I'm a mom of two adorable boys, a wife to a sweet man named Michael, um, I retired from teaching. I now work from a family business. Um, I work remotely. The business is out of Fort Lauderdale. So I have a lot more about me, but that's the big gist. And I have no Mackenzie since she was born. I born, held Mackenzie. 
<laughs> I am very blessed. All right, so let's just dig right in. And why don't we each talk a little bit about sort of what our reality TV viewing habits are like? What are the shows that we like? Why do we watch? When do we start watching? And then we'll get into some questions around culture. But let's first just talk about who we are in relationship to reality TV. Who'd like to start? I'll start. So I think, and I have been told, I am the reality TV junkie from our family. <laughs> I'm proud. I'm very proud. Um, the first, and we talked a little bit about this, but the first reality show I remember watching at a young age was The Real World, mm-hmm. which is what you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and after thinking about that, I went back and watched a few clips. And that is a inappropriate show, <laughs> reality show, to be watching at such a young age. But um, So that was where my love of reality TV started. Um, as of right now, I often have a reality show every night. Mm-hmm. If not, it would be every other. And I am more of the Bravo, mm-hmm. the Housewives, the real, true reality where it just follows people in their lives. So that's kind of my love for reality. Now you say TV. true reality. What do you mean by that? Why would you call those well, shows true know, reality? I, great question. I feel like there's different levels. So my grandma watches The Bachelor, mm-hmm. The Bachelor. As we all know. <laughs> Yes, everyone knows she's the biggest fan. Shout out to grandma. Um, But those ones kind of confuse me, right? Because I feel like those reality shows are a little more scripted and maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit more pressured where Mm -hmm. it's like you're literally falling in love in like a few short weeks, which is that real? I don't really know. Whereas I like the shows where it's friends. Maybe they're forced because they aren't as close of friends. But through taping of the show, they get closer. So I feel like I'm more into like the authentic reality TV. Well, it's interesting you say that, Mackenzie, because when I was doing a little bit of research for this podcast, I learned that there are different categories of reality TV. So one is a dating show. One is competition. Um, and the other is cultural fusion, which is where you put people together from diverse backgrounds, see how they get along. And obviously there's intersection between those genres too. So like there can be competition while there's cultural fusion, which is what we see on Big Brother and Survivor and shows like that. So you feel like the shows you watch on Bravo. Now, Real Housewives, those individuals do not necessarily know each other prior to being on the show. Whereas a show like Vanderpump Rules, they already have these established relationships. Yes. So I think every reality show has a touch of production where they have to, they give them the opportunity to be real and show their feelings. I think that's more of the side that I like, even though there's a little production, Mm -hmm. it's mostly real, Mm -hmm. mostly reality. Okay. Thank you, Mackenzie. And Jessica, what about you? Um, I would say that my reality television definitely started with like real world, world rules, and then I would say a big gap of time went by and then that's when I got into like all things Bravo, just like Mackenzie. Um, Real Housewives was where I started. Real Housewives of Orange County. Um, so, and I actually might even, again, say that maybe it was Judy that might have gotten me started on this because I knew that she was a big fan. Maybe we connected that way. I i can't remember because it's so long ago, but, um, but yes, I too love all things Bravo. I love putting like those people together, seeing their lives, how they live. Mm -hmm. I love the drama probably because, you know, I'm I'm a happily married mom (laughs) of two who doesn't have drama in her life. So I feel like it's nice to see it, but it's not me. (laughs) And do you have a favorite group of housewives? Oh gosh. I feel like probably because I started with Orange County, Mm -hmm. I think 
even though the, um, they're not all the originals, but I just love the three amigas, like mm-hmm. Tamara, Vicky, mm-hmm. um, Shannon. But and then, but I have bits and pieces of favorites from other shows. You know, I love Bethany Frankel from New York. Um, Lisa Vanderpump was another one of my mm-hmm. big favorites. Her and Kyle, but you know, Lisa is obviously no longer on the show anymore. If you follow, she's been quite successful. Yes, absolutely, oh, yes. in her own right, no question. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's just for me. I watch. I love that you can DVR things now, so that's huge because mm-hmm. for me to watch it in real time is challenging. Um, so I love to just kind of mindlessly sit and binge if, you know, and mm-hmm. catch up and mm-hmm. and there's always something to watch. Yes, with 60% of shows on primetime <laughs> being reality TV, there's no shortage of reality TV shows to watch. So it's interesting that we all sort of started with the same show because Real World was absolutely my first reality TV show. Now, I was in my 30s when that came out. Um, and I don't remember what made me watch it right away. But, or what made me watch it initially, but what I do recall is, so I was the associate dean of students at a small college in Vermont at the time, Linden State College, and the students in my residence halls and, you know, who I came into contact with on a daily basis were all watching the real world. So I remember sitting in the dining hall, like we all shared, you know, we shared living space, we ate together, and I remember sitting in the dining hall one night, and the students had asked me about some academic deadline, and I didn't know the answer to that question, but later we were trying to remember the order of the filming locations for real world, like, you know, London, Hawaii, all the places they had filmed, and I was able to rattle them off. And the students said to me, you don't, you can't answer our academic questions, but you can talk about the real world. And it actually really endeared me to them. And so I started telling people I watch reality TV as part of my job. It started to feel like it's part of my work. This is a way to justify it. Um, But I don't think I fell madly in love with reality TV until Bravo. And that was when... I also started watching all the Housewives shows and Southern Charm and all those kinds of shows. Um, As Jessica knows, I did take a bit of a break from reality TV in 2016. Life felt, it felt like life got really serious. I I don't know. It was really hard for me to be watching reality. I have these really bizarre viewing habits where I watch a lot of reality TV, but I also watch a lot of documentaries. Like I'm very intellectually curious, but I need this escape. So it's kind of these, these contradictions. Um, but I started watching more and more like political documentaries and stuff during that period. I think I got super serious. Now, when I say I gave up reality TV, I was still watching Big Brother and Survivor, just okay, to be so clear. You didn't actually give it up. <laughs> no, but in my mind, because I'd stopped watching all the Bravo ones, I felt like I had given up reality television because I feel like, you know, it's so interesting. I think that there are some reality shows I'm really embarrassed to admit to the general public that I watch. Here I am on a podcast that I'm going to share widely, but. I'm embarrassed by some shows, but not others. And I'm not embarrassed by Survivor. It feels to me like the class of reality TV. Like there's a purpose. Well, is it because it was one of the first? Survivor was one of the first. I don't well, know. I, I maybe or because they're it's doing something besides logic. Like you have to be like logical. Outwit, outlast, that, uh, outplay. Yes. Yeah. Right. So I could see that kind of catering to a bigger audience or feeling like, you know, it's less of that junk right that TV right junk. exactly exactly well I think you made a good point Judy because you said you were trying to connect with those students I feel like that's oftentimes like the common thing between people is when you're into a show and you can talk about the characters which we all can do mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's that connection part it's like okay I can talk about this and then it grows the relationship um, I feel like as you are embarrassed to admit some of the shows, but it does, it brings us together 
in this weird parallel way where also you said binge watching, you know, it is an escape. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was a teacher in it, I was just exhausted all day. I'd take care of my students. I'd come home and take care of my kids. And then once I put them to bed, I was like, I want to escape Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the chaos Mm -hmm. of today, the bedtime routine. So I'm going to sit here and binge watch three episodes of these catty women fighting at a dinner table, which we would never see in real life. Right. But for whatever reason, this makes me forget that my 17 students failed their spelling test. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's all about that connection, but also that weird escape that we all, I think, feel so much comfort for, you know? Mm -hmm. And do you could like, do you all connect with other people around reality TV? Like, do you talk about this with your friends, your family? Like, where do you connect with others around it? So I will say personally, I have just a couple friends, maybe even one in particular that is just as like into Bravo television that I am. I mean, we've had the luxury of actually going and seeing um, live shows. And so <laughs> she is my person that... Wait, what live shows have you seen? Well, we saw, um, I shouldn't say plural, but there's more in the future. But we did see um, Southern Charm, Craig and Austin oh, took yeah. their podcast on the road. Okay. So Pillows and Beer. So we did go see that live in Boston. So that was a really mm-hmm. cool experience. Um, we often talk about a big bucket list item is going to BravoCon. And they... Yeah. Moved it though. This I didn't year. know there was a thing called oh, BravoCon. Yes, Judy. So it's been in New York City, and again, it's oh wait, I'm there all the time. I need to go to BravoCon. But they are moving it's, it to it's California a this year. I think it's going oh, to the West man. Coast, and so I don't know if it will come back to New York, but that would be a more achievable mm-hmm. for yeah. me. But yeah, and other than that, like all my close friends are like, I don't know how you watch it, and. But so I feel like when I meet somebody new and we have discussions and get to know each other. Um, a lot of times reality television gets brought up and I feel like once you bring up Bravo, it's like, and they watch, you're connected right, for life. Right, right, <laughs> Because have oh, you had I, any personal experiences where you've gone to watch a show or you've met a reality TV star? I would like you to know that <laughs> my last two birthdays, I had cameos, actually three, I'd say, oh. from Lisa Vanderpump. My <laughs> sister was actually at an event with Lisa Vanderpump, oh and I oh took video. I remember this oh. now. And she's like, hi, McKenzie. You know, she's talking to me like, hi, McKenzie. Yeah. And then I got one from Captain Lee. And oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone does Sister Wives. Do you guys do no. Sister I've Wives? I've seen Sister Wives, but yes. Okay, well, you all need to be watching because we got a lot to talk about there one day. Um, but a cameo, my sister literally spent money to get Janelle, one of the Sister Wives, yeah. to say happy birthday to me. And so I was just like, yep, that's it. That's all I need is these little cameos. Like, it's kind of ridiculous, but still. It's well, good. I, I have a fun story where I did see a, a reality television star out in the wild. Um, <laughs> I was in New York City going to do some education for hair, and I was with two other hairstylists, and we were just walking in in New York City, and we saw Stassi, and she was eating oh, at a Mexican restaurant. However, she was dating Patrick at the time, who we all know was yeah. very toxic yeah. and Ew. did not like not a good match. people yeah. coming up to her and that whole side of things. So you could tell that she saw that we knew her, but she was kind of like, oh, God. And so we were new enough to be respectful and didn't approach her. But now I'm bummed because I feel like now she really, really embraces that. And (laughs) so I wish I hadn't met her now now when she was with Bo. Yeah, I real Bo's, Bo's probably one of my favorite reality yeah. TV characters. He's awesome. I, ha- I have gotten to meet a reality star when I was, um, again, working at that college in Vermont. 
um, the student activities office brought Ruthie from the real world to speak at the college. And everybody knew I was like a massive MTV fan. So they let me take her back to the airport when she was leaving. And so, and I had read, I had read online that Ruthie (laughs) sleeps with her eyes open. Um, And so she did, (laughs) she did, you know, Ruthie um, back then, I think Ruthie has made a lot of progress, but back then she was, you know, she was kind of sowing her wild oats. And so she had partied a bit the night before. So she did sleep in my car. It was an hour and a half ride and she slept most of the way. And I was like, with her eyes open? almost had a wreck trying to see if her eyes were open, <laughs> but they did not appear to be. But that was my brush with stardom in terms of reality TV. Uh, oh, wait, also- wait, I have another one. I do have another oh, one. So my second one is, I can't believe I forgot this one because this one's very special. So about, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, I had made a connection. Do you, did you ever watch Biggest Loser? Yes, I love it. Okay, that show. so do you remember the mother-daughter duo named Courtney and Marcy? I think Cor- they were just really beloved by America. And so I don't know how I became Facebook friends with Courtney, but I end up like having this conversation like would you come to GCC to talk about your experience on the biggest loser? <laughs> and then I believe she ended up like she was getting married or having a baby around that time, maybe getting married. She had to cancel, but she sent her mom and it, oh. and it, it, it felt like they're and they're from Indiana. That's part of why we made this connection. Is they're from they have like a Dairy Queen up in Northern Indiana, Mackenzie. The most lovely people. So anyway, so Marcy came for a weekend, brought a friend of hers, and we just had a blast. It was wonderful. Um, but Biggest Loser sort of like I don't know. It sort of lost its. I don't think it's even on anymore. No. But that was one that I was very very addicted to back in the day. And that to me, I found it inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like you made a good point. Like, how do we know that you said, Ruthie, you read she sleeps with her eyes open? Like, don't you feel and like you knew not to go up to Stassi because Patrick was there. <laughs> like, guys, why? It is a little odd that we know. So we know that Stassi loves ranch on her pizza. But her well, she does announce that a lot. <laughs> But, like, why do we know these things about these people? Well, do you all, like, I, so we we were talking before we actually got on the air, and I was telling Mackenzie and Jessica that Big Brother started a week ago. And I am, Big Brother is probably, and Mackenzie's aunt got me addicted to Big Brother. I'd never heard of it until I was at her house in Maine one day. And I caught up on, like, eight seasons before I launched into number nine. It's now season 25, so it's been on almost half of my life, a little less than half of my life. Wow. And when it comes on, so the the distinction with Big Brother, and this is how I feel like, you know, when you talk about scripted versus unscripted, Big Brother has what's called live feeds, where you can watch these house guests 24-7. Um, and so... <laughs> And so when Big Brother comes on, and I love the timing because it normally comes on in June and it ends in September, and I'm a big sports fan, so it, but I don't like baseball. So it sort of fills the gap between basketball and football. Mm-hmm. But because of the writer's strike this year, it didn't come on until early August, so it's going to run through October, which will be problematic. But anyway, I am so deep in, but where I find out so much of my information is on Twitter because I'm constantly searching for people who watch the same shows I do so that I can engage with them on Twitter. And then often their family members end up on Twitter or on social media. So they're sharing information about the star that you're watching. I feel like that's a good point. I feel like that's kind of where the generations differ. Okay, let's talk about that. Because I can watch my shows and I follow them on social media and I'm on like the bloggers and I know all like the day to day. Whereas like my grandma, I will say, did you see that they were at the restaurant and they left a $5 tip? And she's like, well, that wasn't a 
wasn't on the show. But like, I feel like the younger, quote unquote, younger generations know, like, just because it's not on our TVs, we can still keep up with them on their social media. Oh, where my so you think that's a generational difference? Because because yeah, I'm a I boomer. Like, I mean, I'm technically a boomer, but I but I work but with young people, so I think probably they, yes, I'm engaged. So I feel like that kind of differs the the generations a little. That's bit. That's a really good point. And and I also will say, and I don't want to sound like insulting anybody, but we are talking about intergenerational here. <laughs> When it comes to like Survivor, Big Brother, I feel like I always identified those shows to be targeted to an older audience. Um, I don't know if the people who are on the shows mm-hmm. vary in age. Uh, and mainly, probably for me, because this is like a personal experience, my husband's stepfather was a Survivor junkie. He must have auditioned or sent audition tapes. <laughs> Oh, for like six years, it felt just trying to get on Survivor. It never worked out for him. But so I always feel like and that was back in my 20s. Um, so I feel like that always stuck with me that that was a show that was for older he, people. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. they watched, you know, it's on prime time. And again, talking about like. I think about my parents, like they don't want to pay for any more TV than they have to. So whatever is on that prime time TV is what I feel like that age group kind of gets fixated on where we're all about streaming and, you know, Mm -hmm. of course it crosses Mm -hmm. over, but, and that's why I feel like we have more access. And again, like Mackenzie said, social media, like Mm -hmm. Instagram is a newer um, social media platform where a lot of like my parents and my parents' friends, they all are on Facebook and you don't have a lot of reality television chatter banter that goes on there. Or again, like, yeah, any Instagram accounts, like all those people who have podcasts and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Blogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's very true. Like I actually do listen to Stassi's podcast. Um, she's the only podcast I believe. I listen to a couple different ones that are just about pop culture in general, where they're covering multiple reality TV shows and so forth. And I often don't know half of what they're talking about. But it does kind of feel important in my position working with young people to have some idea of what's going on in pop culture. I do feel like maybe I'm justifying, but I do feel like this is work-related. Well, well, and I feel like even for my job, like, you know, we start out with the smutty magazines, you know, People, Us Weekly. (laughs) And then I feel like we've now graduated into television and kind of social media. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a way to connect with other people. I do in my circle. My friends do not watch reality television. Every once in a while, I remember I got my friend Joanne once to watch Big Brother, and she was like, "This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life." And the actual show, because it's on three times a week, and they do all these competitions, it's super camp. There's no question. But like when you watch the live feeds, that's where I, I love. I love seeing how people like. I lived in the residence halls for 20 years as part of my job, so I lived in communal living for a really long time, and I love watching how people make that happen. And I love watching what people will do for, like, to me, like, I always wonder, I don't, and I want to talk a little bit about if you ever see yourself on a reality TV show, but I certainly often imagine what that would be like, and I want to believe so badly that my moral compass would remain intact, and that I would not betray people for money and all that kind of stuff, but I'm super intrigued to watch what other people are willing to do to people they allegedly care about, even if they just met them 24 hours ago, for money. Well, yes, Judy, you would definitely not do be the villain on the reality show. I think show. that's probably true. <laughs> I don't know, though. But also, I think it's interesting because I think now that reality TV is so big, I feel like people oftentimes come to, like, um, 
we all know the original housewives, but whenever they bring on a new cast member, mm-hmm. and Bethany Frankel has talked about this a lot on her podcast, is now that everyone is so aware of like public judgment and mm-hmm. social yep. media. Like now they come in and they're either going to be the villain or right. they're going to be the calm one. Like I feel like sometimes that's a little produced too, but they're smart. They're smart because they see all these other random people that came on the show and now they're millionaires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of it is kind of different about how people come and you can tell right away, especially like I said on Housewives, when they're acting or when you feel like they're really trying to pick a fight. Right. Yeah. But absolutely. It is kind of, now that it's all on there, mm-hmm. you see it all. Absolutely. Do you have a do you do you all like have a absolute favorite character from reality TV? Could you is there somebody that kind of stands out in your mind? Lisa Vanderpump. Lisa? Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? She is so like okay, so you know, she was on Housewives. Right. And then she was so smart because then she branched off to Vanderpump Rules, which is the number one reality TV. For now, yep. For now, for now. Um, but She's my favorite, but you know, when she was a housewife, they all said she was manipulative, right? Jessica, mm-hmm, like manipulative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She played she played chess like Bobby Fisher or whatever. <laughs> I don't even know the reference, but I know that's what they said. Um, and so it is kind of strange to see her as that kind of she's too perfect to be a villain, but I think she probably was a little manipulative. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then to turn into Vanderpump, where she's like the boss and the mm-hmm. mom of the group, mm-hmm. but she is my all-time. Interesting. Can I can I ask you a question about Lisa that kind of bothers me? Okay, go ahead. So no, I no, I like Lisa. I do, and I certainly am a Vanderpump Rules fan. But I feel like when I watch the reunions in particular for Vanderpump Rules, I feel like she kind of portrays that she's just there to teach, that she knows it all, that you know, and and I feel like there's a lot of sexual harassment that goes on in her restaurants, which is really sort of disturbing the way that plays out. I mean, that that stuff would not happen in my workplace or the work, you know, most of my friends' workplaces. But she doesn't, I, I feel like she needs to own some more stuff. I feel like she constantly deflects and blames her employees when she should actually be creating a different environment in the restaurant. I totally agree with that. But also she's making that paycheck. So <laughs> right. she, I mean, right. She knows, especially at reunions like this last reunion, which maybe we'll get into with the Scandaval. But <laughs> a lot of viewers were saying she was defending Sandoval. One right. Of the, the, right. Way too hard. But if you think about it, I didn't it, think she was, but she is the oh, Judy. She was. Oh, my stars. But she kind of has to play that voice of reason. But also, she wants to keep them as happy as can be because if they leave, I right. mean, she's right. Well, and she's also a business partner with some. So I think yes. there are a lot the of toms, different. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I would say Lisa is probably right up there with my. I don't know, like her and Bethany Frankel are are pretty mm-hmm. close, close. I would say in regards to Bethany, like when she started on Real Housewives of New York City, she really, to me, wasn't considered wealthy. Um, and maybe somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she start, came on as a friend and then became mm-hmm. kind of one of the main characters. Um, she really built herself from the bottom up with her like skinny girl brand. Um and I, but I just love her her attitude. I feel like she was always honest. I don't think that she was ever manipulative or or whatnot. But she had the ma- right amount of cattiness to keep people kind of pretty entertained. And even now, just watching her on social media and 
you know, now that she's not on the show, you know, she can put her foot in her mouth a lot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I do think that it's, it was nice to see maybe just somebody being self-made. Um, I'm not to say that a lot of them aren't, but it's just like she you really saw the start to the end for her, mm-hmm. but not a bad end. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. And she certainly yeah. has a happy marriage. No question. Yeah. Like, well, and I think that's why she was a fan favorite in the beginning, because she wasn't as wealthy and in the same circles necessarily as the right. other. So we were like, mm-hmm. oh, and she had a she bad in a little apartment that probably still cost yep. hundreds mm-hmm. of yep. But I think we were like, oh, she's normal. We can relate to her. Yep, but absolutely. now, you know, she's kind of anti-reality now. I guess well, it made a lot of money for her. Yeah, I mean, I know. it's like, and oftentimes Andy Cohen says you can't bite the hand that feeds exactly. you. Exactly. So I yeah. feel yeah. like that's a little, you know, but, but that's I, a whole podcast. Yeah. Well, I think, Mackenzie, what you just said about relatability too is that's really important to me when mm-hmm. I think about who I really love on reality shows. And actually, right now, I am watching an amazing Big Brother cast, one of the best casts I've seen in a long time. And I think the reason that us fans are enjoying it is these people are relatable. Like we could see ourselves being friends with one of them or connecting with one of them. And there's a lot of like crossover in some of these reality shows. So right now, Siri Fields, who is a celebrity on Survivor, is in the Big Brother house with her son and I'm falling in love with this woman. Like I watched Survivor for years, but here's what's funny is I get so caught up in like, this person has to win or my entire summer will be ruined, right? If Donnie (laughs) doesn't win Big Brother, I am not gonna have a good summer. And then by the next summer, I'm like, who was on last summer's cast? Like you get so engaged and so want them to win. So right now I'm super engaged, but I think about I think about the fact that I don't really remember Siri from Survivor and she was on four seasons and she's an icon and I've watched every season, but I don't really remember her because I'm so in the moment with my reality TV viewing. But I think the reason I like her and this woman named Felicia who's on the show is they're both older. And so often people my age are not cast on these shows. So when they are, I inevitably root for them because I just love the courage they have to go on them. Well, I think that's relatable is the number one thing about reality TV, which I think that's why my grandma keeps talking about there's a golden bachelor. <laughs> yes, there's a bachelor coming oh, up. Yeah. It's like a 70-year-old or something. Yes. Yeah, like that's all she talks about. <laughs> but if you think about it, they're listening to their viewers because right. they do want to see someone that is their Some audience is older. Relatable. They do have an old like these like but my is the women that he's going to be dating. Yes, older. A, they are okay. Yes, because that would think that was the question that I heard, oh, when I heard that was would not the, be kind of unanswered. <laughs> I know, but yes, he's going to be dating older women. It's going to be, a, and I believe he's from Indiana, isn't he? I believe so. But listen, my grandma, again, thinks that it's going to be a little classier but because they're an older generation. Oh. But I kind of think it could be the opposite because they've had years of experience and just, you know, dating. So I think that will be interesting to see. When does it start? Do you know when it when it debuts? Uh, you know, that's not my show. So oh, yes. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to hear about the generational stuff and who likes what. But my mom is really, it, she only likes the ones with talent, like Dancing with the Stars, American Idol, that kind of yeah. stuff. So that's what she watches. And I don't think I could ever get her into any of the reality shows that I watch. Never. Nope. No way. She's too classy. That's so, right. <laughs> that's right. But also with the talent, guys, I've only seen The Voice because Reba McIntyre is on it and mm-hmm. that's my girl. Mm-hmm. But like, don't you feel a little more like when I see the show with the judges and they're in their chair and they're not turning around and it's like this 12 year old who I think sounds beautiful. Like, isn't that much harder than watching the cat fight at the dinner table? No, we're pausing. <laughs> We're not, okay, sure. Yeah. We're not sure. So Too deep. I, 
Well, no, I guess not. for me, like I said, like watching The Voice, I, I know we've t- I touched on this con- uh, topic before, but like for me, when I watch those shows, I love the failure. <laughs> Which, is, which Mackenzie thinks is sick. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, like American Idol, I live for the beginning once they weed out, you know, the real not so great singers. Um, after that, you lose me because then it's like, well, everyone just sounds amazing. And then I think they all should win. And most often, a lot of them end up with some sort of a, a record deal because somebody sees the potential. Um, but yeah, I just I live for the train wreck. The, the, the exception to that for me would be, do you all remember the woman? I think her name's Susan Boyd. Is that right? She was on UK, Ameri- UK's Got I think Talent. It's Boyle? Op- Susan Boyle. Boyle. Susan Boyle. Yeah. yeah. Yes. She is the exception for me because she came on. Everyone made fun of her. Every, like when she walked out, nobody expected her to have a good voice. She yep. didn't, you know, people were judging her appearance and so forth. And then she belts out. I forget that first song she sang, but it was, uh, I think it was. Uh, she was very op opera-esque kind of but she's saying I can't remember it was something from a Broadway musical she blew me away and the way Simon and all of the judges reacted to her I literally when I'm depressed sometimes I play her first appearance on that show because I just think it's so beautiful see relatable right but that's (laughs) just it right so that's the thing that I'm talking about so it's like yes do I like seeing the train wrecks great but seeing that also was just like wow and she kind of went on to have some sort of a career. Like she, she got to record and make music and, and whatnot. Um, but at the end of the day, sadly, which maybe the voice kind of takes away from that is when you're on American Idol, they're also looking for hopefully that package is like mm-hmm. that. Well, that's mm-hmm. can we market this? Um, the voice again removes that because you don't see the person before you pick them to be on your team. But, you know, the voice, there's not a whole lot of you know, bad singing. It seems like anyone that's on there has talent. So my producer, Alex, <laughs> just Ooh, Alex. just handed me, it was I Dreamed a Dream. That was Susan oh, Boyle's song. Okay. Anyway, oh, there you yeah, go. She, I just, I adored her. So I know that we, that we're going to have to wrap up soon. I could talk about, I feel like we could go on for hours and hours and hours. But what, Part two. But I, yeah, maybe a part two. But I do feel like, let's spend a few minutes just talking about the cultural impact of reality TV. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things when we were prepping for this podcast, and I think I was even talking to Jessica the next day, because the day after we prepped, I was in the salon. Getting your hair done. <laughs> Getting my yeah. hair done. But um, <laughs> Jessica doesn't have time for me anymore. She's gotten very busy, so I often have to go to her partner. But she's still doing and my color. after this, after this podcast, <laughs> she's going to be real busy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, one of the things I was, you know, talking about is the fact that, you know, when um, Donald Trump was elected in 2016, I think most of America was shocked that that we elected him. And Michael Moore, who is a documentary filmmaker you may have heard of, uh, oh, yeah. was one of the few people in the public who predicted Trump would win. And when asked how he knew that, he said, I watched The Apprentice. I knew what reality television meant to, to this, this country. And so... I had never thought about that. And I actually watched The Apprentice a few seasons, admittedly. Um, but what what are your thoughts about the impact of reality TV sort of on our culture? Um, I think it's... Like, for me, I feel it's a positive in my life. But I feel when you hear that, like, the number one... Um, dream job for like this generation that's Mm -hmm. coming up is to be like a TikTok star Mm -hmm. or a reality TV star. I think it's a very small chance that that's going to be 
attainable for a lot of these people. Um, it's like winning the lottery. Um, and I often find just kind of looking back that some of these reality stars kind of cross over from time to time. I mean, I'll just reference like real world, like Cam, she went on to be on Southern Charm all these years later, mm -hmm. um, of course, in two different plots, of, you know, points in her life. But I think it can be a good thing and I think it can be a bad thing because reality can be very skewed. Um, and I think... You know, you just hopefully you, you know, have a second backup, have a, a dream like, that is an attainable dream. It's know. like the NBA or the NFL. Yeah, Only a few I are mean, really going to make exactly. it in the world of reality television. Right. Only a few are going right. to go on Rural World, Road Rules Challenge. Eight is, eight is enough. Oh, my God. I went all the way back to my childhood. It's not even a reality <laughs> TV show. Big Brother or Survivor. There's very few. What do you think, Mackenzie? What's been the impact? So I think that's a great point. My last year of teaching, I always do this beginning of the year. What do you want to be when you grow up? And the end of the year, we do it mm -hmm. again just to see if there's any change. And it was my first year where out of my 29 kids, almost I'd say 20 or 21, they either wanted to be a TikTok star, <gasps> which I was like, you're too young to even be on that. Mm -hmm. Another word that they would use was an influencer. Oh, and I was oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you even know? But it goes back to these reality show stars they are wow. these influencers that we watch on their uh, their TV. And I mean, listen to us, three grown women sitting here talking about <laughs> Stassi like a ranch on a pizza. I mean, we are, whether we like it or not, we are being influenced right. in a way. Right. I, oh, I, I, you know, I listened to right. Stassi's podcast and I tried to find the tennis shoes she has for the next three months. They were sold out. See? Yeah. They were it gazelles is. or something from Adidas. They were sold out <laughs> everywhere. Um, it is there's kind no of question. how much power they have. <laughs> yes over us but yes. also on a more serious note when we're looking at the last biggest um scandal ball where there was such a betrayal with the cheating and all that right um andy cohen brought it up on the reunion like how the whole world even if you weren't into bravo like jessica had mentioned people who never watched bravo were like what's going on with this mm -hmm. show like how that influences in the world kind of all when after these two characters that are human, even mm -hmm. though we love yep. them on our TV, like and Judy and I, we we discuss <laughs> it. But it is kind of wild how there's like this wolf pack of mm -hmm. if there is a villain or if someone mm -hmm. messes up, the whole world is it's coming bad. for yep. you. Yep. So I feel like culturally that can be a little scary that the cancel culture yes, and that kind absolutely. of thing has such power over something we're watching on our TV screen. Um, definitely impactful. And like I said, with those first graders, when I saw YouTube star, I never wow. saw reality star. But I mean, the influencer thing, I mean, I feel like it's a new thing that it, it could be a little scary how much impact it does have on us. Well, you know, I always say, like, I think that even though things change culturally, I don't think we as human beings change that much. And I was thinking back to when I was a child, and I'm sure these shows don't exist in Indianapolis anymore, Mackenzie. But when I was a little kid, there was a show called Cowboy Bob and Janie and Popeye. They were cartoon shows. And you could go as a kid and show up at those shows and be on TV. And everyone oh. wanted their kid to be on TV. And you weren't, you know, there was no, like, interaction. You were just in the audience. But it was, like, a big deal to be on TV. So what that's become today, everybody wants to be on TV. And it's about being seen. And it's about feeling like you matter. It's about, you know, this sense of belonging. But the reality is that you can make one mistake on reality television and be remembered for that for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, it's that, you know, and I, and I agree with you, Mackenzie. Like, I... Um, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and I'm always looking at what topics are trending and I sort of get appalled 
if there's something really important going on, in the, there's always something important going on in the world, right? But if there's something like critical happening and what's trending number one is a Kardashian or something, I'm like, who are we? Even though Judy, I enjoy that this. Is, like, yeah. that, that is a great point because even though, like you said, we're in on the know of what Kardashian Kim yeah. did or whatever, but it is sick when it starts trending yes. above real life Ukraine thing. or whatever's happening. Yeah, whatever's it's, happening. It's, it's, it's like, sick. how is this real news when we have real right. things but I feel like that's kind of the scary part, like what we're saying culturally that we are so we're a society so focused on. I don't know, not just reality TV, but influencers. And, yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just it is scary that that's the route we're on. Right. Yes. I've, I've been working on my boomer influencer tapes, though. I I, I, I have done a few on Facebook. <laughs> oh, trying, okay. trying to, see those. I tried to warn people about the neck fan once. But anyway. <laughs> Oh so God. I think so. So we we need to wrap up. Um, like I said, we could talk about this forever. So I think there might be a part two. Maybe we expand the panel. Maybe we include a few more generations. We really didn't talk about our yeah. ages, but we are we have two young pers- people and me <laughs> who represents the older demographic. So I think our party message is: make sure your influencers are people that you know and love. Um, watch reality TV in moderation, and um, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time. And thank you, Mackenzie and Jessica, for such a delightful conversation. (laughs) Of course. See you part two. Yeah. (laughs) This concludes today's podcast. We're always looking for new ideas, so feel free to reach out to Judy Raper, Associate Dean of Community Engagement at Greenfield Community College at 413-775-1819 if you have an idea you'd love to share. Special thanks to the creators of Backyard Oasis, Denise Schwartz, Chad Fuller, Dennis Lee, and Christine Copeland. Have a great day.